Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fitness Business Life Podcast. It's me, Steve O'Clark here, and in today's episode, we have Michael John Lennon being interviewed by Patter Hughes on his podcast. Patter is a past student of Elite Fitness and Performance Academy in Belfast, and he is absolutely killing it in the online space for fitness. So, In this episode, he and Michael John Lennon talk all things fitness, they talk all things business, finding focus in life and even a few trips down memory lane for the two of them. We hope you enjoy this episode and see you very soon. So, MJ Lennon, welcome to the podcast. What is going on, brother? It's good to to see you, it's good to hear you always. You too, mate. The first thing I want to ask you is, I I was literally thinking while we were talking about it, I was like, how do I introduce him? I don't know what your name actually is because I hear you being called with six different things. Yeah, so there's a bit of a story behind this here. Uh, yeah, so my name is Michael John Lennon, right? Now, from uh, from I was born, really, everyone has just called me John Lennon after my father, whose name is also Michael John Lennon. But there's a bit of a history to this. <laughs> um, whenever... My dad's name was Michael, and I think he was born like the day after John F. Kennedy got shot dead. Right. So my granny then said, well, I want to call him John, but I think Michael was already on his birth certificate or something like that, or or whatever it was, or they had already declared this. Mm. So uh, he ended up getting John, um, but it was really Michael John, and then I just carried on the tradition. So yeah, uh, my family all call me John. Facebook wouldn't allow me to use John Lennon, which which is what I get called. So then I had to use Michael. So anyone that knows me post me having a Facebook page, all call me Michael. And then, you know, my close friends, uh, they they would all call me Lenny. That was a nickname that um, I have in school. So whenever students show up the elite, I'm like, listen, I know you think it's Michael. It's actually John, uh, and if you want to call me Lenny, call me Lenny as well. So people are just like, and then I, I don't know where this came from. It just kind of adapted MJ Lennon because it was just shorter and less explanation and all that as well. I suppose I yeah, that can't be confusing for people. I suppose <laughs> I just call you Mies or Lad or something. Yeah, yeah, that'll do lovely. Lenny will do lovely. Yeah, he ended up calling the dog after that as well. I call, I know, and I called my dog. Do you know where this came from as well, actually? So uh, a few weeks before I got him, um, uh, a friend of mine had said to me, here, listen, you know, if you want to offend anyone, just call your dog uh, after them. Uh, and I was going to call him PJ. So PJ is my <laughs> business partner. <laughs> I was going to call him PJ. And then I thought, nah, well, you know what? If I'm going to offend anyone, I'll offend myself. But then little did I realize people started saying to me, it's very egotistical of you to call your dog after you and I was like well I didn't actually think of it that way but now that you've brought it up I suppose it is um, yeah, he's absolutely yeah. tough, he's, he's he is and here just a, just as a sort of pre-warning for anyone listening if you do hear any barking or scratching or if I jump up and run out of the room he's probably got like toilet roll and he's, and he's <laughs> like pulling it and trailing it all over the house or whatever so yes pre-apologies on that one good stuff so listen something, something I get people to do when they come on the podcast just as we like icebreaker thing is tell me an embarrassing story about yourself I would, I would love that i can't wait to hear what this is coming from you oh god dude you're straight in with the hardcore stuff aren't you um <laughs> yes so uh i suppose a bit of context on this whenever i was uh younger um obviously i grew well i grew up in uh in an area called short Strand, um which is not a very privileged 
area, uh, if anyone's familiar with Belfast. Uh, it is a small Catholic enclave um, in the middle of, surrounded by uh, 50,000 um, Protestant Unionists in East Belfast. Um, so it was kind of, you know, I, I grew up in an area that was surrounded by 50 foot walls. Right. And, you know, where, where my house was, it was, my house was on the front line. And, you know, if anyone knows the sort of, I suppose people listening to this here do know the history of uh, where we live and where we're yeah. from and whatever else, they'll know that it was far from peaceful. So, yeah, I, I grew up in an area that was pretty uh, tough to grow up in. So you're, you become a product of your environment. And I went through a stage of my life where I was a complete fucking retrobate. You know what I mean? I'm okay to curse on this, am I? Yeah, yeah, fuck far away. So yeah, um, which leads me to the, the embarrassing story. Uh, and, you know, I'm not proud of this stuff. However, uh, I don't hide it either. Like, I don't try to hide my scars. Um, you know, there was a time in my life where, like I say, I was just going through, I was getting into a lot of trouble, uh, you know, alcohol, drugs, like you name it. I was just, you know, straight fights, like everything you can probably think of. Um, but this one time, uh, yeah, it's quite a, suppose embarrassing story i'm not proud of it um but i think it makes for a good story as well and it turned out okay um in the end so basically one night uh me and my friends we were all out and we were looking for a party and again my friends were probably worse than me at the time and still are to this day even though they're like in their 30s and near 40s uh they haven't changed so we were out looking for a party and we ended up in on the other side of the wall in east belfast looking for a party we didn't know anyone and like again if anyone listening to this here knows the the history of belfast and northern ireland ireland whatever uh they're gonna know how dangerous that that, that actually was so yeah we were out looking for a party um we were in east belfast and we just called this dude's door randomly we we're like walking up a street in east belfast and we seen that the lights were on like it was a saturday night and it seemed like a party in this house so we all just called to the door randomly didn't even know this person and asked them, could we come into the party? And the dude, I can remember his face being like, who are you? He's like, this is what, what's going on. And, and I think he kind of knew straight away. He's like, there's something not right about these dudes. So anyway, uh, we didn't get in, obviously, because he, he didn't know us. So then we left, but then we kind of noticed that uh, there was a few crowds um, started appearing out, out of nowhere. And me and my mates were basically stranded in, in East Belfast. And then we were think we, I think we started to get a bit paranoid. So we started walking down onto the Ravenhill Road, which is towards uh, where we live. <laughs> and uh, again, we seen a few crowds and whatever else. And we were like, right, this is getting dodgy now. But at, at that, there was some guy who was, uh, he was delivering papers to like a shop. So say this was like five o'clock in the morning. He was delivering papers to a shop. And I had the bright idea of running over and throwing him in the back of his van and jumping into his van. <laughs> I know, I know. It, like, it sounds worse than what it actually is now, believe it or not. So I threw him into the back of his van and locked him in his van. And me and my mate jumped in the front of the van and drove ourselves home. <laughs> right? I know. And this dude was in the back of his van and he was shouting, he was going nuts and he was banging and whatever else. Um, now we got home safely and we let him out. Uh, and he was like obviously freaking out and whatever. We thought it was hilarious. 
Like we thought it was so funny. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then we, we let him out and whatever else. And lo and behold, 10 minutes later, uh, the cops pull up and we all got arrested. Uh, thankfully, the, the guy the guy was all right about it. But um, the more I think about it, like we probably all could have ended up. Had, had, had we uh, been caught in the act with this guy in the back of the van and us driving home, yeah. um, we probably would have had 10 years in jail. But luckily, we let him go, told him, listen, we were kind of messing about and told him the situation, and then he was okay about it. Uh, but he still rang the cops, and then we all got arrested. That's a little <laughs> like, that's absolutely <laughs> I know, dude, I know. And listen, you know, I, I tell my wife and stuff this story, and I've told a few people this story, and she, was, she, she cringes every time she hears it. She's just like, I can't believe you would do something like that. And I'm just like, look, you know, I'm not proud of it. Like, uh, this is where I grew up. I'm not going to hide those scars. Um, I think the story now, you know, makes for good uh, telling, but uh, yeah, I was pretty, I was a loose cannon back in the day. There's no doubt about that. Actually, I never knew that you were saying you were like real into like, like drinking drugs and stuff. I never knew that was you at all. I, I thought you were always into your fitness and stuff. Uh, I was. Um, so uh, again, just a bit of context. Um, I... From I was 13 until I was around about 18, yeah, 17, 18. Um, uh, my background was in amateur boxing, um, and that I dedicated my life to that. <clears throat> and then uh, a few things sort of st- didn't go my way with my boxing career, uh, and obviously being the age I was, um, I kind of I had this entitled attitude that. Uh, because I, I felt that I was talented and things didn't go my way. What was my response to that? It was then go off the rails and go in the opposite direction to what I was. I then again started hanging about with, I suppose, all the wrong people. Um, you know, proximity has a powerful effect on behavior. So what did I do? I then adapted the behaviors of the people that um, I was in contact with. And listen, you know, I, I don't blame those people, like some of them, you know, I still see today and whatever else. It, it, it was all, it was all my fault. It was all my own doing. Like I chose to be in those situations um, when, yeah. when I shouldn't have. Um, but you know, that's life. And uh, the reason again that I don't hide any of that sort of stuff is because I think uh, number one, um, it's helped me become uh, the type of person that I am today. And, you know, I go to great lengths to help other people who maybe are in a bad environment and whatever else. Um, but yeah, I suppose number two, then uh, it, it allows me then to help other people in those situations. Does that make sense? So, so the first one, I'm like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I try not to hate it either. Um, and I just try to be transparent about it. Yeah, you're like Jesus, like you have that human side of you as well. Yeah, yeah, of course, dude, of course. I mean, listen, you know, no one's perfect. Anyone says that they, it was a great, like, even though I'd done some stupid shit, like I say, you know, I get into like street fights and whatever else. Um, but it was, it was a great learning experience. Uh, and it's, like I say, it's helped me make a, a complete U-turn and, and brought me more into the fitness industry because I wanted to help people and, whatever else and hopefully I have uh, undone some of the bad shit that I've, that I've done throughout the years. Yes, um, I can't believe I've got this far and haven't even mentioned fitness yet or like who you actually are. So you obviously, you own the gym and the 
learning facility that I learned how to be a PT. And so how did you how did you actually get into all that then from boxing and from being what you are? Yeah, so um, you know, I should uh I think some of the turning points was when whenever I, I met my wife. Um she's obviously been a big influence uh on my career. Um and then uh, I decided from there. So I, I actually, me and Katrina got together and I actually went back to uh, my boxing career. Um, I went back and, uh, and I actually won titles and stuff um, whenever I went back. And I was just in a better mind frame um, to, to become an athlete again. So then, uh, you know, I decided I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna turn professional. That wasn't gonna be a thing. Uh, I always thought that there was easier ways that I could make money. Um, then, and you know, I, I don't think, unless you are like in the top zero point one percent of fighters in the world, um, you know, the the rewards from fighting aren't really that great. Yeah. Uh, so I, I wasn't gonna do that. You know, I, I was talented, but I didn't have. Uh, at the time, at least, I don't think I had the type of work ethic that it would have taken for me to get to that level. Mm-hmm. So I was like, right, okay, well, you know, I, I love I love this side of my life. You know, I, I love being involved with fitness. Um, and coaching people was always something that, that I had always wanted to do as well. Uh, and, you know, having Katrina there, she kind of supported me on that. And she says, well, why don't you just start coaching people boxing if you still want to stay involved in it? And so I, I started doing that. Um, and then at the time as well, whenever I was so, sort of ending my boxing career, gravitating towards coaching, um, I, I, I kind of got heavily involved in kettlebells, which were a new thing at the time. Um, uh, obviously, you know, credit to Pavel Satsulin, probably no one's heard of him on here, but uh, he's always been a big influence uh, in my career. And uh, Pavel's uh, publishing company, Dragon Door, like I just started studying all of their stuff uh, because I wanted to learn more about the art of using kettlebells because uh, I think at the time, and it was very early days, a lot of MMA fighters were, were using them. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, this is interesting. I want to learn a little bit more about this. And then that kind of brought me further into, uh, yeah, I would say the fitness industry. Um, because, the, you know, there is a gap there between, uh, let's say, boxing and the fitness industry. There's, it's not a straightforward transition. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, that, that kind of then brought me closer to the fitness industry and, and that side of things. And that's kind of where that, I suppose, sort of started off. Yeah, that would have been. Amazing. Well, before I get into all the questions about the, the fitness industry stuff, I want to talk about you and what you do now. So the first thing is morning routine. Now, I don't ask anybody this because I don't think learning about other people's morning routine is of much value to people, but yours is a particularly particularly special one that I'm aware of. So could you give a bit of insight as to what that actually is? Yeah, dude, for sure. Um, so I get up at 4.26 uh, every day. Why 4.26? I don't know. Um, I, I think I just found that 4.26 was the right time for me to get up and first of all change my state i think i need about four minutes to, to change my mental state mm-hmm. uh and then at 4 30 is when i'll actually start you know brushing my teeth uh getting washed whatever it is that i need to do but i'll usually stand there for like four minutes and kind of you know rub my eyes and whatever else uh, and we have like we on suite in the house so i'll stand in there 
um, and then I'm kind of ready to go. So I'm, if I start that at 4.30, then I'm in the gym for five mm-hmm. uh, and I'll have my workout done and then uh, I'll usually be home for about 6.30. Now, uh, in the past, I suppose my morning routine consisted of getting up at the exact same time but going straight to work. As in like writing, you know, email copy, writing ad copy, writing content for my social media, um, you know, maybe posting content that I had created the day before. Uh, But I stopped doing that. Um, And the reason I I stopped doing that was because whenever I start, uh, it's hard for me to actually physically stop it. And I found myself starting at like 5 a.m., and then not doing anything else during the day until like 2 p.m. And then it got to that stage where I was like, oh, shit, now I got to go and do a workout. And obviously, you know, training is important to me. Um, my, you know, physical condition is important to me. It has to be. Um, but e- even if, you know, e- even if I wasn't involved in the fitness industry, it would still be an important thing to me. So I then decided, well, what is the most important thing to me? It is making sure that uh, no matter what, um, I get my workouts done and I'm still enjoying them. Uh, In terms of, you know, doing uh, work for the business, it doesn't like, it doesn't feel like a struggle to me because as as I said, I I could do that for like 12 hours and it wouldn't annoy me in the slightest. So yeah, just, uh, I'm like, right, eat the frog first thing. Uh, get up, get the workout done, get that out of the way. That's the most important thing. That's my big rock ticked off. And then I can start to focus on um, what I need to do uh, from the business side of things. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what my, what my morning looks like. Um, currently, uh, things, can, things can get a wee bit messed up because what I would have done uh, as well, uh, and this would have taken me, a sport, I suppose, out of that we sort of, out of that we rut that I can get stuck in because I would just like lock myself upstairs and not speak to anyone for like 12 hours, not eat a thing and just, my, I would come down and my wife would just be like, where were you? <laughs> um, so uh, I used to uh, get up, go to the gym, come back, do some, uh, do some work, but then around about nine o'clock, I would bring the kids to school uh, and that would kind of break that routine. But obviously yep. now, um, you know, as we're, as we're recording this here, we're all on lockdown mm-hmm. uh, and the kids are homeschooling. So um, I don't have to go nowhere and I don't break that cycle. So yeah, I generally end up just working uh, right through. Uh, and, you know, I suppose there will be people say, oh, you need to find balance. Uh, and I don't think uh, as an entrepreneur that's possible. Mm-hmm. I think you can find harmony, but balance is never going to be there. Like if you're not, if you don't live um, for the business, it's going to fail. And that's why you have that morning. T- I love how you said like why you do it, not just what you do. Like what you're doing is priming yourself so you can work and so you can deliver. You're not just diving straight into it. Yeah, exactly. Mate. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that, that's just the way I feel. My, like pe- I suppose people around me kind of see it as a wee bit, uh, extreme, especially my wife. Um, but I, th- I think she's she's become more understanding because now you know, obviously, she's an entrepreneur and she's working for herself as well. So um, she's more understanding of it these days. And she likes, you know, she knows that she knows it leads to success and hard work, and and that's just the way it is. 
Exactly. Do you do any, I was actually curious about this, do you do any meditation or anything? So uh, I got into meditation in a big way right. uh, a few years back. Um, this past while though, I have to admit that I have been slacking on it. Um, but there's, there's still things that I'll do to kind of uh, give, give myself some headspace. Um, so obviously, you know, I come from a boxing background. Like this morning, um, I just went and hit the bag for uh, an hour, mm-hmm. which, which I feel uh, is, is I, I sort of see meditation as some, is something, is this thing that I do going to give me headspace? Am I going to come back and be more creative after doing this thing? Because that, 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 that's all I'm looking for in meditation. Um, yeah is uh, if I give myself space, will it leave room for creativity? Uh, and if that's the case, well, then I'm happy with that. And usually if I, if I go and do a workout or if I go and hit the bag for an hour or whatever it is, then I come back and I'm kind of in a different state and it definitely does leave room for creativity because you know, you know, you know, dude, I mean, you're, you're probably one of the more creative people that I see in the industry, but uh, if you want to be successful uh, in fitness, um, you have to be creative. And for me, I use meditation as a tool to, to get that. But if there's other ways that I can, I can get it um, and kind of kill two birds with one stone, yeah. then I'm happy to do that as well. Yeah, I, th- I think you hear a lot of people saying it as like something that they do to like switch off. But if you've ever actually tried it, like I've, I've tried it, the, the last thing you're going to do when you're sitting there or lying there with just your own thoughts is switch off. Like if anything, that's the most, the most busy part of your day mentally nearly. It is, it is, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's impossible to actually do that, especially, uh, especially as an entrepreneur. Um, I think it's impossible to switch off completely, but it's kind of just, you know, taking note of what's going through your mind. And then once you're aware of what's going through your mind, you have a tendency then to let it go. That's, I've just realized I've skimmed over a massive point of what you do, which is, you, you can describe that part for me, not, not just in elite, what do you do to have personal trainers? And, Fit pros, as you call them. Yes, uh, I suppose. Um, I mean, I, I kind of look at it from, uh, you know, obviously I love fitness. Uh, it's 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 been a big part of my life. Um, it has helped me in so many ways. Uh, so, from a, I suppose from a holistic perspective, I kind of just try to help people in every single way that I can in fitness. Yeah. So obviously I own a gym in Belfast, um, myself and my business partner, PJ, uh, we, uh, we coach general population, um, right through to, uh, you know, some athletes with, with trainers, more, more former athletes, um, people that have been broken by their sports throughout the years and then they'll come back and we kind of fix them. Uh, so I, we, I help people on the gym floor. Um, I, I also help people who are, uh, passionate about fitness and who, think that there's a possibility that they could make a career out of it. Um, and we help them get qualified through the academy. Uh, and we try to deliver the best education possible for them so that it give them every opportunity to be successful, um, which you are living proof of that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then <clears throat> what I, what I kind of noticed was, uh, you know, after delivering the course for a few years, it's like when people leave us, some of the biggest problem comes um, on the business side of things. 
mm-hmm. and people trying to because the, the fulfillment is the easy part in in, in the fitness industry uh, from at least for me anyway um, I don't know how you feel about that but you know coaching on the gym floor is the easy part like that's the cool part but uh, the the business side of things is where I feel like a lot of trainers slip up um, and sleep in and maybe don't uh, try to acquire new skills within. So that's where a lot of my focus has been now for the last couple of years is trying to help people um, along those lines. Uh, because again, you know, I, I've made a lot of mistakes yeah. on that front, probably more than what most people um will ever make so yeah I'm, i know most importantly what not to do and i think i'm just trying to use uh my experiences uh and my setbacks uh to help other people not make them well see the thing is for me what i'd love to get your opinion on this so for personal trainers listening for anyone who's just been qualified even for me the first thing was so i, I had i had a few clients like you get a few clients i think the first few is always easiest you're brand mm-hmm. new in the industry the thing for me was i didn't want to be posting too much or asking for stuff too much because I didn't want to sound as people say it's salesy. And then it was yep. a mindset shift for me and that if I don't sell to people, if people don't pay me, I can't help them ultimately. You know what I mean? I can give yep. them all free advice in the world, but ultimately people need to actually get into it to help. How do you help people overcome that? Because I think I think a lot of people struggle with that. Uh, yeah, I think it's a mindset shift for, um, for the trainer mostly. Uh, I think that people have to switch from it being from a sale being a, a win-lose scenario to a win-win scenario. Uh, and again, it, like you could go pretty deep with this here because, uh, you know, we talked about my, my upbringing. Um, like if someone had money, they, it was almost like they were, uh, they, they were deemed as, as being a bad person yes. because they had money. <laughs> yeah. And, and if, you know, it's like, oh, like I can remember my, my mother, my, you know, my grandmother, uh, God love them, you know, they, and they just didn't know any better either. Like if someone had money, it was like, ah, you know, he's, he's not a good person or whatever. can't remember any specific times that would have said that, but there would have been occasions. Um, so I think that a lot of the time people can carry that into their, their business as they get older. Uh, and then there's kind of, there's maybe this internal perception that if I sell someone something, I win and they lose. I get money, they lose money. Yeah. But I think whenever you, uh, you've done the work on yourself and you kind of look at it from a different angle. So the way I look at it is, right, so if I'm selling someone fitness and, uh, and I'm going to get them results, which I'm going to do absolutely everything that I can, uh, to make sure that they do get the results that they want. Uh, and if I'm going to deliver a great service, you know, I always related to if, uh, if I had a product that was guaranteed to stop someone from smoking, mm. like guaranteed, would I do everything in my power to get this person to buy this product? And would it annoy me if I sounded salesy or if I followed up with them like about 30 odd times, because I know that it's going to, uh, it's going to provide them with a valuable service because they're going to stop smoking and it's going to add years to their life. Of course, I wouldn't have any issues with it. That would be a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. So I look at fitness the exact same way. Um, if I get this person to invest in their health, 
they're going to get a lot of value from the service and that's going to be a win-win situation. If, if I, you know, if I uh, get paid money and this person gets a 10x return of their investment, well then both parties win. And uh, I think a big, uh, a big turning point for me, um, because a lot of the time, you know, people think, uh, should I be making, should I be making money? Like, uh, am I greedy for making money? Uh, and it was something that uh, a, a guy called Dan Kennedy said. I don't know if people would know who that is on here. Um, but Dan Kennedy said that, listen, it's only greed if you're asking for something for nothing. Yeah. If you're delivering uh, a product or a service to someone that you know they're going to get value from, it's not greedy because it's a win-win situation. And then he was like, uh, and most right-thinking people um, kind of think, uh, well, I only want my my fair share. And like most people, say, I, like I don't need that much money. I want everyone to have uh, a certain amount of wealth, um, and I I would only like my fair share. And he says that you know even within that perception, even within that thinking, it's already coming at it from the wrong perspective because there is no such thing as the fair share. Mm-hmm. There, if money is infinite, which it is. Well, then there's no such thing as a fair share. Like it's your job to try and acquire as much as possible. But at the same time, make sure that the people who are paying you are getting 10x more than what they're paying you for. Do you know what I mean? So a lot of things, and it does take a lot of work. And it does take a lot of personal development to kind of realize that. Um, I suppose I went off on a tangent there, but I think it's, uh, I think it's relevant to what we're talking about yeah, for trainers. And I think for people in general, um, you know, if there's anyone listening to this here that are, that are uh, you know, into personal development and into entrepreneurship, I think it's very valuable that if they do the work on themselves and they realize, listen, you know, if you're adding value to the marketplace, there is nothing wrong with being salesy or making money or anything like that because people are going to benefit from your product or service. Exactly. And I was just speaking to you about before I had recorded on this, that the first time I got on the phone with you, I remember I was, I was looking about PT courses, wasn't even really serious about it. And I remember you told me the price and I know you've no problem with me saying that I was like, no, like absolutely not because yeah. I could get it for so much cheaper. And it was yeah. only you following up with me and being good at what you do that made me do it. And now, as I just said, you have to go back and pay 10 times more. And anyone, anyone who's yeah. come to me and asked where I went to, straight to you, you know what I mean? Like, dude, if you, if you think about, like, think about that journey, right, for you, because at the time, you know, you were working in a job that you probably weren't happy with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hear it, right? So it's like, for me, uh, and again, I think this is a big lesson for uh, people who maybe do work in sales or who are, who are maybe working for themselves or whatever it is. Uh, I always think about um, the, it's not about me. It's about the person who, that, who could benefit from my product or service. Right? And, and I think there's huge lessons in, in, in your journey because you run a job which you hated. And even though you had an objection about the price point of our course, uh, I followed up with you several times to try to get you to buy because I'm pretty sure that during the initial process, I would have asked you, well, what do you do at the minute? Are you happy with your career currently? And you probably would have said, no, I'm not. I hate it. So then in my mind, I'm like, well, I can't let this person go on 
the way that they're going on. So I have a duty and an obligation to get this person to invest in my product or service where I know, like I'm pretty sure that I would have delivered at least a little more value than what you paid on the course, right? So, so I know that you're going to get that. So I then do everything in my power and just look where that journey has taken you. You know, how many people are you coaching now? How many people have you helped with their health and fitness? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure you're doing well from a business standpoint as well. And that's fucking awesome. Like, that's amazing. And I just love that journey, dude. That's the same with your health and fitness, isn't it? Like, people do people have inquired me about coaching, they hear the price. I'm not even saying I'm expensive, but they don't, they don't want to pay that. But it's not just about losing a wee bit of weight. It's literally, it can nearly change someone's life. I mean, the first time I got coaching, that's led to this. So, yeah. Absolutely, mate. And I think uh, the thing about it is, and what most people don't realize is the, the people who pay, pay attention. And the more, you know, the more you invest in something with, with your watch and your wallet, I, your time, energy and money, the more likely that you are to actually get an outcome from the thing that you're investing in. When, when people, and I'm not saying, you know, obviously, for me, there's two sides to the industry. Uh, and, you know, there's, let's say, we'll say commercial gyms, right, who charge next to nothing. Um, and, and, and that's fair enough. You know, what they're going for is mass numbers. Mm-hmm. And that may be a product or service that people can benefit from. Um, albeit, I don't think very much people should be uh, doing that thing. I think, for the most part, where people belong is in coaching first. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. And if that's the case, well, then you need to invest a wee bit more with your watch and your wallet, your time, energy, and money. And then, if you know, once you've got results, once you've, uh, once you've been educated on nutrition, once you've been ed- educated on training, you know, once you've started to pick up different EQs and you start to move better, if you then decide, right, you know, I think I've invested a little bit now. In, in my coach, I've learned, I've acquired new skills. Now I'm just going to pay less and just go and implement what I've learned. Well, that's cool. Go and do that. But uh, yeah, sorry to answer your question. I think for the most part, uh, at least at the very start, people need to pay a wee bit more because they'll pay attention to what they're told. Yeah, and I like what you said there about people, people leaving, going off on their own. I was actually, I'm just off the phone with a girl who's finishing up with me and I was talking to her about you know, what she's doing now. And she was like, she's been working with me the last while. She was like, I think I finally got enough that I'm going to go off on my own. And I wasn't away thinking, oh, fuck, I've just lost her. I was thinking, oh, I've actually taught her enough that she can now go do that on her own. You know, she doesn't need me anymore for that. I, I think, like, as a coach, that's probably one of the more rewarding things you can do. Yeah, like if someone, yeah, yeah, if someone leaves you and they're able to implement the, the skills that you have, you know, that they've acquired with you, when you've done a great job as a coach. <laughs> I suppose just then after that, it's accountability, which I, I feel like most people... Um, are lacking and that's why yeah, that's like, thing, isn't it? You, like no matter what you will never uh, reach your full potential unless in, in anything unless you're getting some form of coaching yeah exactly completely agree with you so uh, a pretty controversial question I really want to ask you is what, it, what do you hate the most about the fitness industry I know you love the fitness industry but what's the one thing that you hate about it um, uh, I think hate is a strong word <laughs> dislike <laughs> It's a strong word. Um, I'm, I'm impartial to most things, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I kind of just, um, I kind of just be like, yeah, it is what it is. Although, I think one of the things that um, kind of gets on my tits a little bit is when people 
jump to conclusions as in they think that what they see is all there is and uh, it's what's called a heuristic decision making or a heuristic bias right so if uh you know let let, let me give you an example of this sometimes um i'll deal with people who think that if i just get uh, a certificate well then that qualifies me to be a trainer yeah that was probably yeah. me before i met you <laughs> yeah <laughs> right so as i say, i don't hate it you know i, I just think that if there was more there, there, i think there should be more awareness of what it takes um to run a successful fitness business um because at the end of the day you know what you don't know you don't know if pe people don't know the difference from one certificate to the next, but I'm pretty sure that if people had, uh, if people had ex uh, an experienced coach who, you know, was attentive, who was engaged, um, who provided them with credible information, who got them results. Uh, if someone experienced that versus, you know, the, an experience with someone who, uh, and I'm not saying, you know, someone who's new can't have all those qualities, but what I'm saying is if someone who maybe didn't care as much, who maybe didn't invest in their, in their education and, you know, let's say didn't really have the, the knowledge to get this person results, I'm pretty sure that they would then know the difference yeah. in two coaches, right? Based on their experience. So uh, I just think that, I think there needs to be more awareness around that, which I try to do. And I just think that, um, yeah, people need to not jump to conclusions and have an open mind as much as possible and stop thinking right, what I see is all there is because that's never the case. Like how many times have we, me included, you know, everyone does this. <clears throat> we all make a heuristic decision. You're like, well, I know most things about that. Mm -hmm. And I, I know how to do this. I know how to do that. And then you kind of speak to someone who's maybe been doing it for longer than you or they're an expert in a certain field and they give you more knowledge. And you're like, holy shit, I didn't actually know that. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? So it's like, <clears throat> you've heard of this, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I heard you talking about it before, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so uh, the, the less you know, the more you think you know. And the more you know, the more there is to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the less you know, um, the more you think you know. And then the more you know, the more you know there is to know. Yes, yeah, like I forced you to just a mastery thing, isn't it? Like the unconscious competence and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 exact, exactly. So, uh, and again, that's why social media is a fucking hotbed of debate today because yeah. most of the people on there know jack shit about what they're talking about. Right? And you'll see that like no experts in any field will go on and start debating with fucking Susie down the street, you know, like COVID, like what we're talking about now, Susie yeah. down the street is able to say how things should be running uh, in, in the world today, but there's not some fucking virologist on debating with her because he knows I'm not even going to fucking start because there's too much to actually, there's too yeah. much information that happens in every industry in the world. Um, and that's, uh, yeah. So back to the point, that's probably one of the things that annoy me most is whenever, uh, and, I'll usually, I'll usually just kill it there, uh, is when people will uh, say to me, uh, you know, I already know enough, so I, I just want to get certified. 
And already I know that I'm probably not going to work with this person because they're not open-minded enough. Because here's the thing, like I've been in the industry for 12 years now. I don't fucking know enough. (laughs) And if I don't know enough and I have spent uh, thousands upon thousands trying to acquire, you know, more knowledge, more education, spending time with like some of the world's top coaches and I don't know enough. Well, then this person that's telling me that, you know, they, they trained in the gym three days a week with a PT. So they know enough. Well, then for me, it's just not good enough. It's anything you're saying. I find it like, it's funny the parallels between even when I see your content and stuff talking about fitness business, it's the same stuff in fitness. Like another thing I seen the other day, something like, I think it's 80% of personal trainers don't see out their second year. And I was like, like, that's absolutely mad. That's the same with diet. And like the reason people don't do it is because they're looking short term. I think that's a huge problem with personal trainers is they're thinking short term. The same when people come and do a diet, they're not, you know, thinking about that long term flexibility. Why do you yeah. think that, that statistic is so mad? Why do you think they fail before year two in the business? Uh, for personal trainers? Yeah. Uh, okay, so a number of things. Um, and I think you definitely break a mold when it comes to this. Uh, they think sometimes that, um, you know, I, I've, I've acquired all of this knowledge already. That's going to be me. So, you know, if I, if I've done this course, people will want to work with me, mm-hmm. but the work stops there, right? They don't take action after that. They just, again, assume that if I post a photo of, of my personal trainer certificate online, well, then everyone's going to want to work with me. But the reality is that it doesn't work like that. Like you have to provide people with value first and the more value you give, the more value you get. And I think a lot of the time, uh, it's entitlement. Yeah. <laughs> entitlement. It's like, well, I'm entitled to clients. Dude, no, you're fucking not. Like, are you delivering any kind of value? Because if you're not, well, then, um, you know, people aren't going to invest in you. So you need to, like, take action. Uh, and I know it's a kind of buzzword, but it's, like, it's the reality. Like, if you're not providing people with value, well, then they'll go elsewhere to people who are, people like you. And then, you know, what happens is frustration sets in. People start to blame the industry. Uh, you know, it's a saturated market. It saturated, is, I was just about yeah. to say that word, yeah. Yeah, uh, this, the market is not saturated. Like, you know, obesity is an epidemic. How many taxi drivers do you know? I remember somebody said that to me. They were like, how many taxi drivers do you know? I was like, oh, fuck, okay. <laughs> I, I'm still in that one there. <laughs> you know, people need, need to be taken from point A to point B, don't they? Like, like a, a, co- a taxi driver is a coach, by the way. Yeah, technically. Yeah. The actual definition of a coach is someone who takes you from point A to point B, right? So they're essentially a coach, and that's what we do as well. We coach people from uh, point A, you know, where they're at in, in their health and their lifestyle, to point B, um, the outcome that they're looking for. I think those people uh, overcomplicate it, overthink it, and then have a sense of entitlement. And then when they don't get what they want, it's easy to blame. Like it's easy to blame people, mm-hmm. but you know, personal responsibility is much more difficult. So then it's like, oh, I can just blame the industry. And if I quit, it's the industry's fault. Yeah. Or, or, you know, that, that one, uh, people just aren't interested in coaching. They, no, you just haven't done the work to make them interested, you know, because everyone, uh, I'm pretty sure that there are more out of shape people in the world now than, than 
than there are whose people, you know, walking about uh, with visible abs. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, you know, 365 days a year. So if that is the case, well, then I'm pretty sure that most people are interested in getting health, uh, getting healthier and fitter. Yeah. So it's your job then just to uh, uh, give them a nudge and get them over the line. So what advice would you give to someone then who's actually looking to get into the industry? And I remember what you said to me when I, when I was looking to get into that sort. Um, I'm going to be biased on this, but number one, do your course with Elite. I'm very biased on that. Um, no, I mean, like, I think um, the most important thing is to uh, do your due diligence. Um, because, like, sometimes what I'll find is people will get in the industry because they love fitness. I was like, I get that you love fitness, right? But do you think that um, you're going to have enough self-awareness uh, you're, and you're going to be able to take enough action in order to warrant you becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah. Right? And, uh, and, and by the way, there, 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 there's a responsibility that comes with that, right? Because if you're an entrepreneur, well, then it's not about you. It's about other people. So even though you love fitness, it's not about you. So I, I would tell them to make sure they do their due diligence on that front, on themselves, but then as well, um, like, you know, mentorship, coaching is, is key. Uh, like, it just is. Like, I, I can't stress that enough. Uh, you can't read the label from inside the bottle. And a lot of the times people just make decisions and be like, oh, I'll just run forward with this here without having any sort of feedback. And then, you know, again, that's where a lot of problems come from. I've never heard that one before. You can't read that. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's so true, though. It's so true. Like, you can't read the label from inside the bottle. And, and a lot of people... just breach on that. Obviously, you have your own coaching and stuff as well. You don't just tell people to invest in you because you're doing that, too. No, 100%, mate. I mean, um, you know, I always, uh, straight away, so what, what I've done this year... I've worked with various coaches in the past, um, and this year uh, I've hired. Uh, I'm actually in the process of um, interviewing for uh, a coach currently. Uh, I'll talk to you a bit about that uh, uh, when we're offline. Um, but uh, yeah, I hired uh, an amazing dude this year. His name's Phil Brady. Um, so uh, no, so you you won't have. He's not a marketing guy. Phil is not a marketing guy. Like he's not marketing, not sales, not nothing. And because I was kind of thinking, right, what is it that I'm looking for in a coach? What is it? What is it that I need? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, right now uh, we've experienced a massive amount of growth um, in the business over the last couple of years. Um, and there's been a lot of team members who came on board. I actually have a guy now in India working for me. Um, he's a, uh, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, it was uh, it was actually Craig Ballantyne that introduced me to him. His name's Nikhil. Shout out to Nikhil. Awesome dude. He's our funnel builder. So anything that we're looking done, um, Nikhil's the guy for that. I'm a copywriter in uh, California. Uh, and then we've got our team members within the facility as well. Uh, we've got team members for tutors for Elite. We've got team members uh, for the gym who are delivering on the gym floor. So, you know, there's a lot of communication to be had right across the board. Um, and Phil... Uh, he's a leadership coach. Okay. So 
he coaches on leadership and communication. He's not a marketing guy. Like I'm pretty confident that I, I do well in terms of the marketing and, and the sales aspect. So like, well, what is it that, that I need? I need to be able to communicate with my team better um, and I need to be uh, a better leader for them. Like there's no, there's no downside to becoming a better leader. Yeah. So it's like, right, well, he's the dude that I'm going to hire for this year. And so far he's been unbelievable. Amazing. Well, this has been, this has been absolutely great, man. Have, great to have a conversation with you. So the last thing I want to close on is who do, you, who do you help? Who specifically do you help? What do you help them with? And how can they find you if they want to inquire about it? Yeah, dude, for sure. Um, so I uh, mostly help people who are uh, passionate about fitness um, build a real career in the fitness industry. Uh, so yeah, um, you can catch me at m underscore j underscore Lennon. That's my Instagram. Uh, or uh, Elite FPA Belfast at Elite FPA Belfast. Either of those. Um, and again, you know, we, we help people on the gym floor. I just try to try to give pe- give everyone uh, all aspects of fitness. I'm the go to guy, I'm the go to guy in fitness. Yeah, and I think I'm a, I'm a walk and talk and testimonial for you. So anyone who's considering getting qualified, I have had a few messages from people who have definitely send them your way, mate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I suppose one more thing um, before we go. Uh, you know, if you are listening to this and you're on the fence about doing something about your health well then there is no better man to get in touch with you Peter. Uh, you've been an absolute credit to what we do at elite uh, and i'm super yeah. proud of you dude shameless plug there <laughs> shameless plug absolutely thanks i appreciate it no problem dude